I guess once in 11 years isn't too bad, is it? I don't know if he's telling me something or what he's telling me, but... Hey, I learned something today. I am from Indiana. I've been out here many, many times in the last 22 years, 21 years I think it's been, um, being involved with International Gospel Missions. But uh, one of the things I learned, and I had to come here today to learn it. Many times I'll call Pastor Ken, as he said, um, and I'll say, hey... How you doing? Okay, where you at? Oh, I'm in Toledo, because Toledo is holy. I'm in, and he said, Dave, there ain't nothing holy. holy. Yeah. Well, then today, I, I, he's right. I do call him, and or he'll call me. Where you at? I said, I'm in Cleveland because Cleveland rocks. Well, today I found out that Harvest Bible Fellowship rocks. So now I got to change my thought pattern. You're messing me up, man. Um, I'd like to share, if you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 22. We'll be starting, I'm just going to read 34 to 39. But what I want us to do is, if we could, do a self-evaluation. And my question for all of us is, do I love God? Do I really love God? So let's pray and we'll get started. Press Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this day of life that you've given us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for all those that came out today. And I thank you for those that may be watching online, may be listening, Lord. Father, we ask that uh, you do a work in our life. I pray that we'll have an honest evaluation of our life. And Lord, if there's some areas, Holy Spirit of God, I ask that you pierce our heart, that we would have a desire to love you. And Lord, we pray that these scriptures will teach us the way we are to love you. Father, thank you for this day. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Matthew 22, it says this in verse um, 34, the greatest commandment it says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, what is the greatest commandment uh, in the law? And Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang uh, all the law and the prophets. You know, we are commanded in the scriptures to love God. To love one another and ultimately to love our enemies. Isn't it interesting that when we look through the book of Romans, we see that even while we were enemies of God, He loved us. The key to our love is to realize that the first object of our love is God Himself. In the book of Galatians, it teaches that love is the fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, we cannot produce it, but it can be indeed displayed in our life, and it should be. 
So in this text that we looked at, there's three things that I want us to see. We are to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. If the Lord is our God, we must fearfully exercise our love with a full heart firmly focused on Him. This speaks of devotion. This speaks of worship. It begins with fixing our hearts at the beginning of each and every day. Early will I seek thee. Remember his beauty and delighting therein. Then we must strive to keep our hearts fixed all through the day, guarding against any and all worldly distractions. And there are worldly distractions. God commands love by his very nature. Those who know him cannot help but love Him. He is so perfectly, infinite, lovely. You know, there may be times in our life that we grieve the Holy Spirit of God by saying yes to sin. But this does not diminish His love for you and I. You can only grieve someone who truly loves you. There may be times in our life that we quench the Spirit by saying no to His promptings. But this does not cause Him to withdraw from us. He simply waits for the time to woo us back, to bring us back, working in us all the way to change and soften our heart. And I don't know about you, but my heart many, many times needs to be softened. So we see with all of my heart I'm to love God. But it goes a step further. It says, with all of my soul. This means with all of our life. With all of the energy of the inner man. And with every outward manifestation. We do this primarily through the consecration of our bodies and of the lives we live in those bodies. Therefore, active obedience in the Christian life is the supreme expression of love of God. Next, we look at with all of our mind. This means to give our thought life to Him. Renewing our mind with Scripture and focusing our mind on good, high, and noble things. That reminds us of Philippians 4.8 that says, Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. And then Paul goes in and just puts a little bit more emphasis on this. Those things which ye have learned and received and and seen in me you do those things and when we do those things the peace of god will be with us so we are to develop our minds to the glory of god is to love him with our minds we are to love him with our heart we are to love him with our soul we are to love him with our mind there are so many pitfalls in our culture that can discourage real thinking. The business of loving God requires stretching of all our faculties, literally to outer, our outer limits, including our mental power. 
couple things that we need to do when we love God. He needs to be first and foremost. This means that our love for God must be preeminent in our lives. All other loves must pale in comparison to this first love. I'd like you to turn your Bibles then to Luke chapter 14. And as I was um, working on this message, I, I had a call from, I say they're missionary kids that are from Asia Pacific. And God has called this young family with three little girls to go to a country that they speak 700 to 800 languages and they are there learning the native language and another dialect. And now God has called them. So they're, they're in a major city on these group of islands. And from the major city, they're giving me their plan that the Holy Spirit of God has put on their heart. And God has desired for them to fly to another island, live there for a portion of time, and then they are going to take a ferry to another island. And that island has people on it, but there is no Bible yet in the dialect or the dialects in that area. And there's a group of missionaries that are going to go to this area, and these folks are going to with another missionary couple to another area. And as I'm, as I'm talking to them and sharing, they're sharing what the Holy Spirit of God has put on their heart. I, I was just so excited for them because they're looking to America, to us in the church that uh, are, we're the sending church and saying, hey, do you think we're making the right decision? Well, God has put this on your heart. God hasn't put it on my heart. But man, they were just giving, a, uh, just going on and on of we're going to do this and God has opened this up and God has opened this up. And there have been people from this this island have said, come. And to me, I'm thinking of the Apostle Paul when he received the, the Macedonian call. Come here. And now these kids are going there. And they are forsaking all to come there. But Jesus, Almighty God, is first in their life. And so when we turn to 14, uh, verse 26, I want us to start here. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll start in verse 25. Christ teaches on discipleship. And there went great multitudes with him, verse 25 of uh, Luke 14. And he turned and he said unto them, If any man comes to me and hates not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brother and sister, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. When you first... Read that. Not being led by the Holy Spirit of God, you're saying, what's the deal here? But but God is asking for no rival. In other words, Jesus needs to be supreme in our life. And so as these kids are looking to go to uh, Asia Pacific, they understand these verses, that they love God more. They love their parents. I mean, I've watched them grow up in the church. I've, I've watched their love for uh, their neighbor. I've watched their love for the enemy. Th- there are people in this area that they're going to that don't want them coming there. 
but they have a desire that God has put in their heart, that the Holy Spirit has put in their heart, that we need to go. And we need to leave our mom and dad and brothers and sisters. And we need to accept this call that God has put on our life. These words seem to stress the necessity of Christ's supremacy in our hearts. Our love for Him must be so preeminent that all other loves are hatred. Are, are hated. The next thing we need to look at is verse 27 that says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know what? There cannot be any refusal. When God calls us and says, I want you to do this, we need to do it. There's been times in my life that God has said to me, Dave, you need to go do this. And I don't know about you, but I've had this talk with God. God, I don't want to do that. I don't feel comfortable doing that. But Dave, I want you to do that. I want you to be obedient to me. I want you to do that. God, you don't understand. I mean, there's times I stomp my feet. I turn. I, I, I just don't want to do that. But there cannot be any refusal. We have to be willing and able to go. The cross represents sacrifice and submission to the will of God. To love Christ is never to refuse any sacrifice that love might require. And I tell you what, if we really want to reach our world, if we really want to reach those in New York that are around us, we have to have a mindset of looking at our life and saying, do I really love God? Do I really love my neighbor? Ultimately, do I love my enemies? God wants to use us. So God wants us focused on Him, and God wants Jesus supreme in our life. The next thing we look at as we continue, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficiency to finish it? Lest, uh, haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and he is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, The man began to build and was not able to finish. Man, I see all over the world as we've traveled to different countries, there's all kinds of properties that you'll see that they started and they're not done. And I realize a lot of them, they're raising funds. There's a lot of people that uh, have started and plan on doing something and life happens. But you know what? Uh, there's most of the time we'll sit and we'll count the, co- count the cost. As I've talked to this family this last week, I was talking to them and, and they said, Dave, we are willing to do whatever God wants us to do. If it means going to a remote area, if it means cutting trees down, if it means building a shack, if it means not having electric, if it means not having water, Whatever it means, we are willing to do it for the cause of Christ because we love Jesus Christ. In verse uh, 31, Oh, what king going to make war against another king? Sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, 
He sendeth uh, uh, ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaken not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dung hill, but man cast it out. He that hath ear to hear, let him hear. So we're looking at there can be no uh, uh, rival. There can be no refusal. There can be no retreat. So when we come to Christ again, we must count the cost. Once we have put our hands to the plow, love demands that we not look back. Luke 9.62 If we love Christ, we will follow Him to the very end. My question is, as you've taken the plow and you've gone forward, has there been something that has given you desire to look back and you stop and you lose the drive and the desire that God's put on your heart? And Jesus said unto them, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back, Jesus says, is fit for the kingdom of God, whosoever he be of. Luke 14.33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Nothing can be more valuable to us than Christ. Let me say that again. In our life, as we're walking forward, nothing can be more valuable to us than Christ. If there's something more valuable, then we do not love God the way we should. There must be nothing temporal or eternal which in any way threatens His preeminence in our hearts and our lives. And so again, as we're looking at these Scriptures, I'm encouraging you to evaluate your life. And see what is lacking. See where there is sin. And then make that change. Ask God for forgiveness. And change our mindset. Change our focus. And go forward. So not not only do we love God first and foremost, but we love God because we want to be obedient. To love God is to obey God. Our obedience is directly proportioned to our love. I guess what I could say by looking at that is that if we're not obedient to the Scriptures, then could it be said that we don't love God? If we do not obey, how can we say that we love? We are not perfect in our love, but we must at least want to love and obey God Perfectly. That must be a desire. So, what I want to look at, we looked at two commandments. I want to take the time to specifically um, uh, look at the Ten Commandments and see them positive for God's glory. Or maybe we'll see them negative or negatives that weigh us down. Loving the moral law is not difficult if we love God. Because the law of God represents His desires. And we should love what He desires. As a result, 
we will determine in our hearts. So if you would, turn to Exodus 20. Exodus 20. And so I want to look at the first one here. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In verse 3. Exodus 20, verse 3. In view of His sovereignty and His goodness, we are commanded to have no other gods before the Lord. Maybe that bass boat we have is another God. I don't mean to be stepping on toes because I don't have a bass boat. But I do have a Harley Davidson. And maybe that Harley, Harley Davidson is our God. Maybe that Mustang I have is our God. We can't have any other gods before us. And I don't want to step at anybody's feet. I'm just stepping on my own. Verse 4. It says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any carved images. The first and second commandments go hand in hand, both emphasizing the need to give our worship exclusively to the one true God. The Israelites violated this commandment and crafted their own graven images. A golden calf, even before Moses came down from the mountain, and I still can't in my mindset understand why Aaron and other leaders allowed that to happen. I, I, I don't understand it. They knew that Moses was going to meet God face to face, and yet they did this. You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Exodus 20, verse 7. To take God's name in vain is it to use it in an empty and meaningless way because there is no no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved we must be careful to instead treat the name of god with honor and reverence there are people that say that they are living for almighty god but many have taken god's name in vain because they're not living for him Remember the Sabbath day, verse 8, to keep it holy. In wisdom and grace, God commanded His people to observe a weekly day of rest. The Sabbath was to be observed in imitation of God's own work and creation, as well as His redemption work. And I will say this, one thing that has really... Satan has got a hold on Exodus 28 is there so many people that during this pandemic have used a reason not to come back to church. I mean, I, 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 I'm not, so I can't tell you in your area, but my area, I see them at Walmart. Man, they're fine. I mean, they're not wearing a mask and everything's fine. I see them at the restaurants, they're fine. But man, to get out of bed... And I guess if we'd let them come in in PJs, they would come. But uh, <laughs> they're, they're not having a desire to come. And this is not good. We need to come and encourage each other by being here, by being in the Word, by, by hugging and, and whatever we do, to, just to be encouraged. I, when I see many of you today, I, I, some of them I've seen... A lot, and like Mike Cosgrove says, Dave, I've seen you too much. But I was encouraged, even by his words, to be able to see him today. We are to honor our father and our mother. 
The fifth commandment is reiterated by the Apostle Paul who described it as the first commandment with promise in Ephesians 6.2. Honoring God means honoring the authority He has placed in our lives. We shall not murder. Thou shalt not murder. Verse 13. The taking of human life is expressly forgive, or forbidden. Jesus elaborates on this commandment on the Sermon of Mount, revealing the sin of murder begins in the heart. We can go back to the Old Testament, uh, Cain and Abel. We see what happened there. You should not commit adultery. The sanctity of marriage and is given noteworthy attention throughout the Scripture. Christ reminds us in Matthew 5, 27 to verse 30, that the marriage relationship must be guarded diligently. Um, You shall not steal. Theft is forbidden by God. Instead, we are to be content with what we have. And trust God to supply all our needs in Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 6, 6. Philippians 4, 19. Verse uh, Exodus twenty sixteen. We should not bear false witness. Honesty must always characterize our speech and conduct. To bear false witness against our neighbor is an effort to a holy God who is Himself the truth and the life that we see in John fourteen six. We shall not. We should not covet. Anything that is our neighbor. I mean, there's a list there. God has promised to meet all our needs again, both spiritually and physically. We should therefore be content with whatever He has provided us. We see this in Philippians 4.19, Matthew 6.33, Hebrews 13.5. So as we've done this evaluation, there is a high standard, but not too high for love. A lot of times as we look at these, these commandments that we just looked at, in our day and age, we look at they're just suggestions. But God gave them to His people in Exodus 20. And I believe God has still given us those Ten Commandments as a start. We know there's, I don't know, Pastor Ken, 600 and some commandments that were given. Um, and, and we know that with ourselves, by our own power, we cannot do it. But with God, all things are possible. The proof that we are alive spiritually is not that we are full, but that we are hungry. One of these things that as I talk to these kids that are in another country and they have, if they have left all to be there, they are hungry to get to the place that God has called them so that they can start, if I can use these words, bearing down on learning the language. Uh, linguistically, they want to write the Bible in that language so those people that can know about Jesus and can know how to mature and to grow. We, in the same token, as we go out, I tell you what, if you're looking for a mission field, as soon as you hit them doors, you're entering it. There are all kinds of people. And I I remember Val and I were at a conference in Ohio. And the pastor was sharing about him going to Walmart. He said his people are telling, or he's telling his people in the church, you guys have been telling me that 
there's, there's nobody out there that doesn't know about Jesus. He said, I walked into the Walmart, and the first guy I seen, I asked him how he was doing. And the guy looked at him and says, do you really want to know? If, if, if we're sincere about this and we really care about others, we better be careful when we ask that question because there's people that want to tell us how they're doing. And he found out in the course of a few seconds that this man didn't know Jesus, his marriage was coming to a halt, and it was exciting for me that Sunday the man came to church. People are searching. People want to know about the love of God. And this man... This pastor, and he was with, a missionary was with him, and, and they just went to Walmart. Man, you go anywhere. You go to a gas station. You ask somebody how they're doing after they pass out and you revive them because in New York, ain't nobody talks to anybody. <laughs> That's my Ohio uh, linguistics coming through. Anyway, by the way, I'm a Buckeye, so I just want you to know. And I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, whoever cares. Um, but we need to be hungry. We need to be hungry to share the Word of God with people. We need to be hungry as we wake up daily and get in God's Word and just start seeing the desires of God. God has given us a manual that if we really want to know about God, we got to seek Him first. got to dive into the Word of God. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So questions for self-examination would be this. Do you long to be free from the power of sin? And I trust that you do. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Do we realize today that Jesus gave His life up for you and I? Romans 6, 7, Paul says again, For he who has died has been freed from sin. Do you long to be free from the love of sin? Any Christian who is truly honest with themselves, will acknowledge that there is within him or her a love of flesh, a love of sin. But there will also be a longing to be free from that love, that weariness of sin, and a growing attraction to Christ. My question to us is, we may know people that don't know Jesus. And maybe because they're not coming to Jesus is because they don't see the love of God in our life. Maybe when they look at us, they've heard all the complaining and all the things that we're going through, and they are just so happy when we leave the room. I, I don't know. But we need to evaluate ourselves. <clears throat> are you longing? Or I'm sorry, are you beginning to hate the sin in you because it is offense to God? We begin to see the sin for what it really is, a love of self and exalting self as God. And I remember, I, I, I can't remember what it was, but I remember a pastor talking about, well, this is me and this is the world 
You guys ever see anything like that? (laughs) Everything needs to revolve around me. No, everything needs to be revolved around our Savior. We need to have the same heartbeat as our Savior Jesus Christ is. We need to be in our, as we're walking and growing daily, and I trust that we are, we must emulate Him. You know, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, you know, you've heard some things, you've watched me. Now, do those things. But where did I get them from, the Apostle Paul said? I got them from Jesus. I got them from the Word of God. I got them from Almighty God. So, Timothy, those things that you've learned from me, go out and show, or go on and teach faithful men who will continue to teach other faithful men. So we must hunger for God. Not, not merely for the things of God, but for God Himself. In Psalm 42.1, it says, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. We need to have the desire of the, the psalmist that wrote Psalm 42 that we have a desire to panther after God, my soul after God. Psalm 63, 1 says, O God, You are my God. Early, early will I seek Thee. You know, as, as I've gotten older... Uh, early is what early used to be. It, you know, early <laughs> used to be at 5 a.m. or 4.30 a.m. Early now is, I mean, it's really hard at 6.30 or 7, but i got to push myself out the door. And some of us, it may be later than that. <clears throat> but early, the first things that we do, we need to seek our Savior. My soul <clears throat> thirst. For you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Do you long to know God in a deeper intimacy than ever before? I trust that is our desire. Our desire, I'm praying, will be to have that intimacy with God. Philippians 3.10 Paul says this, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. Do you long to be like Jesus? In John 8.29 it says this, and He who sent me is with me. I, I can imagine the people of that day hearing Jesus speaking He says, the Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. Can we say that in everything we please God? Can we say in everything that I intended to do, I want to please you, God? One way to do that is if we get up early and seek Him, we'll have that desire to please Him. If your answers were yes to any of these questions that I asked, even if the yes is, well, kind of, 
I believe that you have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. The hunger is generated by the indwelling Holy Spirit of God is the earnest of being filled. And I'm going to ask Pastor Ken to come up and finish. Thank you. you, but that's a good reminder, a good, just a reality check of where we're at in our walk with God. I don't know about you, but no matter what happens in a given day, there are always distractions, always things that happen that you didn't plan for that distract us and take our mind and our focus off what God would have it to be on. Anyone agree? And that first point, when I, I guess I got locked up on that first part, no rival, and when I think of a rival... Just the very definition of what a rival is. Competition. What competes with our minds and our desires and our longing to walk with God? What competes with that? That's a great question. And if he's to have preeminence in all things, if something is taking the place or giving more time, more energy, more focus on has that needs to be dealt with. No refusal. Whatever. What, what is it that God may be asking you to do that you're saying, not now, Lord, maybe later. When the kids are older, when the kids are out of the house, when work isn't so busy, when there's not so much going on that we're refusing to do that we should be doing, but is really robbing us and no retreats that we're running from. What is it we're running from, so to speak? There are so many things that I think distract us in those areas. And the verse that came to my mind that he didn't mention was John fourteen fifteen. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I think so the converse of that is true as well. If we're not keeping his commandments, it's probably because we don't love him as we ought. You and God know the answer to those questions. You and God. None of us do, but you and God do. And by the way, Dave, uh, you know, I've been trying to help you with that temptation of that Harley distracting you for years. <laughs> For years I've been offering to take that off your hands to just say, hey, it won't be a distraction for you anymore. He's holding on, guys. Pray for him. <laughs> Let's take a moment and pray. And as we do each and every week, we have an opportunity to respond to what we've heard. And I don't know if God is working in your heart and is saying to you in that still small voice, this needs to change or this needs to change. Are you willing to deal with it? Lord, I ask God <coughs> that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, what a great reminder of life and the commands that you've given to us, Lord. And Lord, you even went through so far as in the gospel, you says your commands are not grievous. It's not like you're asking too much of us in light of what you've done for us. And Lord, we have to be honest with ourselves that anything that we give more time and attention to has the potential of being an idol in our life. 
And I ask God that you would help us to cast down anything. Lord, that may be an idol in our life. Do we love you as we ought? As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just ask that God's people would be praying just for a moment. But maybe you're here this morning and say, hey, that message spoke to my heart. If I'm honest with myself and God knows my heart, there's some areas I have not loved God in. Some things that are distracting. Pray for me. Anyone like that? Yes, in the back, in the middle, on the sides, yes. All over this auditorium, different ones are raising your hands. Some of you are nodding your heads. I would challenge those of you that have lifted your hands, those of you who have nodded your heads, to take a moment, right this moment, and simply acknowledge that before God. Because James tells us, to him that knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So Lord, forgive me for allowing other things to distract my love for you. Other things that to be more in focus than the focus of you and serving you. Lord, forgive us. Just take a moment and pray and give it to God. Ask him for his help to get things in priority, to put things in line as they ought to be. Take a moment and ask God to do what only God can do through his Holy Spirit to give you the strength and the will and the ability to obey So I'll stand to our feet this morning. Lord God, you know our hearts. And I pray, God, that we would truly be able to say, Lord, that there is no rival, that we are focused on serving you and loving you daily, being obedient to you. Lord, that there are no refusals. There's nothing that you've asked us to do that we are not willing to do. <coughs> and no retreats. Not running from anything not running to what we want to do and away from what you want us to do or be. Lord God, I pray for each one who's raised their hand, their heart towards you this morning, God, that you would just work in hearts, Lord, to help us put these things in correct priority, Lord, that we would be focused on those things that are most important to you, Father. Thank you for the reminder, Lord. I need it. I'm sure many of us needed to hear this this morning. Thank you for the message. Thank you for the messenger. And I ask God that you would use it to help us become more like Christ this morning and this week. So, Lord, work in our hearts. We thank you for meeting with us. We thank you for challenging us. And we ask, God, that you go with us this week. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.